Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for all the many, many blessings you've poured upon us all this day. And now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. We truly thank you for it all as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word judgment, we'll turn to the book of Acts. Now here we see an incident coming up that Paul is being judged and the judgment seat that is mentioned is the Roman judgment seat. Not the Lord's judgment seat, but the Roman judgment seat. In other words, he's being taken to court. And we see this unfolding in the next couple of segments that we have here. But here in Acts chapter 18, and picking it up in verse 12. When Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was... Now about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters." Let him know that wasn't something that they were concerned with. The Romans didn't care what kind of religion that Paul had or what he was spreading. But the Jews sure were jealous and didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ and the teaching of salvation. As it continues, and he drove them from the judgment seat. He drove those Jews out. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, and Galileo cared for none of those things. He didn't care that the Jews were getting beat up right in, right in front of the judgment seat by the Greeks. And you got to kind of wonder why did the Greeks step up and do that? It's maybe because Paul was actually a Greek also. So maybe that was a little payback for what they were doing to Paul. But now move on over to Acts 25. And here, once again, we see Paul going before the judgment seat of the Romans and before the governor as well. Here in Acts chapter 25, picking up verse 1. Now when Festus was come into the province, after three days he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. So they were trying to set a trap and have Paul transferred from one location to the other and then ambush him in between. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, and go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea 
and the next day sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. So Festus in the courts, commanding Paul to be brought before him and hear the charges that have been lifted up against him. Reason when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many a grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. See, uh, Paul qualifying to be judged because of his connection to the Greeks was appealing to the Roman judicial system. It's like going up to a higher court or going to the Supreme Court. I appeal to the Supreme Court, for instance, taking your case on up. And that's what Paul had done. And because he was a Roman citizen, he had the right to do that. And they had to appease that, had to abide by that. When he appealed, then they had to listen to the appeal. Read 10 again. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. Like Once he said that, it's kind of like when you sit down and say, I want a lawyer. Then they can't grill you anymore until they give you a lawyer. Or I appealed to the higher court, and they can't do anything else until they go and follow through with the appeal. He was appealing on up to the higher courts to be judged there. And of course we know they kept him in jail the rest of his life. He was under either house arrest or actual incarceration and horribly treated at times. And other times he was treated quite well. And eventually, when Nero became the the leader, and wanted to appease the, the crowd, he had Paul executed to try to take attention off of some of the stuff that Nero was doing at the time. As we go back and look at the history, uh, Nero had set a big fire in Rome because there was an area of Rome that he wanted to develop, and it was occupied and had some historical buildings and so forth there and they didn't want to tear it down or remodel it for the newer stuff and fest and excuse me and nero come up with the idea well we'll just burn all of it and blame it on the the christians so they did that and then they executed paul to appease the people for the false charges against him is that he was amongst the group that had burned this section, but actually Nero was the one that did all of it.
some interesting history there. But let's move on to the word judgment in the book of Romans. Now, here in Romans chapter 1 is an awesome section that you know I go to quite often that applies to current times very well. And let's look at these and we'll see the attitude of people concerning the judgment of God and knowing the judgment of God, but yet ignoring it and trying to convince others to ignore the judgments as well. In Romans chapter 1, let's pick it up in verse 15. Now we know this is a letter of Paul written to the church at Rome. As it reads, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Which became his opportunity because he was arrested and because he had appealed to Caesar. He was in Rome, so he was able to do this preaching to Rome. In his final days, he's able to do some more of it to the point where he actually was able to spread the gospel to the household of Caesar, and many of the household of Caesar became Christians. As it continues, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. See, it's clear what is right and wrong. It's being delivered to us. The Lord displays that to us. All of creation proclaims the existence of God, as he continues and describes. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuse for anyone to say that there is no God. No excuse for anyone to deny Jesus Christ as the Creator. And to know that all of his creation is all about us and it proclaims him clearly is manifest to everyone. They can deny it for their own selfish desires to be fulfilled. Sure, we see that all the time. So it's a simple fact to either accept it or deny it, but it is revealed to everyone. Can't say, well, I didn't know you existed. Well, yes, he has proclaimed himself and manifest himself and showed himself to everyone. Everyone in existence of all time, past, present, and future will have a clear opportunity given to them to either accept Jesus Christ or to deny Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about all those kids that have died? They haven't reached the level of accountability yet. Well, we know they've been given a free pass, basically. It applies to those that have reached the age of accountability. Like all the billions and billions of children that are murdered, and those millions and millions that have been aborted and continue to be aborted, they haven't had a clear revelation as the adults have, of course. But they are without sin because they haven't reached that level of accountability. 
So we know that everyone will be at judgment and there will be no excuse. Cannot say that, sorry, but I didn't know you. Nobody told me about you. Nobody gave me a Bible track. I never heard any preaching. Therefore, I should get an excuse. Nope. It not work that way. Verse 20 again. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Godhead. It means the authority of deity of the Godhead, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Clearly manifest and revealed in all of creation all around us. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. See, knowing God, but denying him, then Satan darkens them even more. In verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. All of those so-called experts, all those so-called intelligent people, those that are professors, those that are scholars in the lies. They've learned the lies very well. They promote the lies very well. They encourage others to follow the lies. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up, Notice, the Lord gave them up. They reach a point where the Lord says, Forget you, I'm done with you, I'm giving you up. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And what's the evidence of these people and their attitude? And we can see that in their behavior. And he describes some of the behavior here who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They worship mankind. They worship the animals. They worship the planet. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. So once the Holy Ghost backs off and is given someone up, it is manifest in their behavior. And this is a description of some of that behavior. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. That's talking about these lesbians, or the so-called counterfeits, which are calling themselves gender-changed. You cannot change your gender, it's your DNA. It's just so stupid that anybody could think that they could change their gender, but that's how professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And this homosexuality is what he speaks of next. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the, their error, which was meat. Homosexuality. So all these sexual perversions is the evidence of this mindset of denying God and totally 
being overwhelmed by their own lustful desires. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, see, they didn't want to know God. They didn't like to even think about God, because then they would have to realize that there's going to be a day of accountability. They don't want any accountability. Therefore, they got to deny the existence of God and the judgment. Otherwise, they would not do what they're doing. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness. See, once the Lord backs off completely, gives them up, they become reprobate. There is no hope for them. There is no possibility of salvation once someone reaches this point. Now, we cannot determine that ourselves, so be very careful with that. Even if someone does get into this transgender movement of homosexuality or lesbianism or any other perversion that is out there, promotes it, encourages it, participates in it, if they are part of that, you cannot determine that they are reprobate because that is only for the Lord to determine. They may not have reached the point of being a reprobate. As I caution everyone, do not try to determine this for yourself. You can see that someone's a sinner trying to reach, try out, try as best you can to reach them, pull them out of that before they do become truly reprobate because then there's no hope for them. Verse 29 again, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And that's what we see. The behavior of those that are antichrist, the behavior of those that are ungodly, the behavior of those that are perverted and lustful and delusional and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And this is definitely on the increase in the world, especially in this country, from the lowest levels all the way up to the highest levels. Verse 32, now it talks about the attitude of those that have reached that reprobate mind and are at the verge of that, dabbling in all this behavior. Verse 32 applies, who knowing the judgment of God. See, deep inside in their heart, they know that they are going to be held accountable. But what do they do to try to mask that or cover that up? They try to get more to join their perversion. They try to get everyone to accept their perversion as being the new normal, as they call it. Right here in verse 32. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They love it when they get more to come in and accept their perversions. And that's what we're finding in the United States, promoted heavily by the Democrat Party, 
and by the Republicans that are perverted as well. This is just a Democrat thing. This is a lot of perversion out there. And the teachers, many, many teachers, not all teachers, but many teachers, many colleges are promoting this perversion, the sexual perversion that is being promoted in this country. It's it's amazing that it has been tolerated so much, but yet it is now being promoted in the schools and so forth by sending their perverted transgender clowns to perform in the schools and promoting such behavior as being normal and acceptable and then mutilating the children and doing surgeries to counterfeit them, to make them look like something that they're not being promoted. It's horrible. It's sinful. It's disgusting. And they know it. And they love it when they get more to participate with it because they are pure evil. Clear and simple. They are pure evil. Because he clearly says that up there in verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Filled with it. So full it's overflowing and they want others to participate in it too. Because that makes them feel that much better. More accepted because more are participating in their disgusting behavior. And roll right into chapter 2. A caution that goes to all of us that are seeing this unfold. Chapter 2. Therefore... Thou art inexcusable, O man. This is going to the Christians. Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. This judgest here is talking about condemning. Going back up there to that subject of reprobate. If you determine someone is reprobate, you have condemned them. Therefore, we cannot determine if someone's reprobate. Even if they're disgusting perverts, we cannot say that they're a reprobate. We can say that they're a disgusting pervert that needs help. See, we've got to be very careful with this. We can't be judgmental in a way that we condemn someone and cast them out and not try to help them. We've got to help them. Even these most disgusting perverts out there, we've got to help them. We've got to pray for them. We've got to... Try to gently guide them out of the hands of Satan back to where they should be in the hands of the Lord. Chapter 2 again. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. The same things. It might not be the exact choices of behavior, but it is ungodly behavior is what he's speaking of. You condemn someone for their ungodly behavior, but yet you're performing an ungodly behavior by condemning someone of their ungodly behavior. You cannot condemn them. You can evaluate and determine, yes, that is ungodly behavior, but you can't turn around and say, oh, you're a reprobate. You're going to go to hell. Blah, blah, blah. And no, we've got to have compassion. We've got to have love for them. Even though they might be disgusting perverts, we still got to try to reach them. Difficult, yes, especially if they are reprobate. But pray for them. Assist them if you can. But don't get entangled in their behavior. As it continues in verse 2, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. 
See, the judgment's in the hand of God. He's going to do the judging. We don't have to worry about judging them. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? See, if you're going to condemn someone, if you're going to hate someone because they're a disgusting pervert, then you have blown it. You've just denied the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to be very careful with that. We still have to have compassion and love for them, even though they might be, as we say, disgusting perverts. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? We've got to understand that we were disgusting and sinful perverts as well, one form or another. We got saved. So therefore we need to have compassion on others. Because it's the power of the Lord, the calling of the Holy Ghost, that drew us out of sin and washed us clean, completely clean and white, and made us a new creature in Christ. Therefore, we need to do the same thing for others that we see that are going down the wrong pathway. And know that the Lord is patient, patiently awaiting. There still might be some hope for those. They may not have reached that point of reprobate yet. So continue to pray for them. Verse 5, But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up thou unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. See, the Lord's going to judge them. He's going to condemn them or reward them, all of us. To them who, by patient continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. See, the Christians are going to get rewards. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. The judgments, the condemnation in the hands of God, not in our hands. But glory, honor, peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. So it's amazing what he has in store for us. The blessings that he will pour upon us that have trusted in him and follow his guidelines, that follow his ordinance, that follow his commandments to love him with all of our existence and love others as ourselves. So when we're out here in this world, when we're seeing the sin, when we're seeing the perversion, when we're seeing it promoted, we need to try to help them if at all possible. And do not yourself condemn them. Judge them in the way of evaluating them, knowing what kind of a person they are, so that we can then know how to approach them and assist them or stay away from them, which sometimes is the best thing to do. Lift them up and give them to the Lord and pray for them. But we can evaluate them in that form of judgment, because the Lord tells us that over and over, talking about the fruits, you know a tree by its fruits. And we look at them, we can see, okay, that's a person that needs prayer. That's a person that needs to be led out of such a perverted behavior, of whatever sin it might be, and drawn into the light. Or that's a person that's walking in the light and bearing the right kind of fruits. Then we know how to deal with them, welcome them as a brother and sister in Christ. 
Either it's somebody who needs to become a brother and sister in Christ, or it is someone who is already a brother and sister in Christ. We have to evaluate everyone that we encounter in that way so we know how to behave in front of them to either welcome them in or to help draw them in to the family so that they can be looking forward to those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's what we want to look forward to. So let's have compassion. Don't be judgmental in a way of condemning people. It's only for the Lord to do, not us. And pray for those that need it. Because the time's getting short. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for giving us the opportunity to get into your word to find these guidelines that we need to follow. Help all of us to keep our hearts and our minds right, to stay on your right judgments, your righteous judgment, to always know that you are the one that is the true judge. Thank you oh so much for that judgment and help all of us be looking forward to our own time of judgment. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.